This, this is the Blue Horseshoe with your host, George Brummer and Ryan Hickey. As always, subscribe, download to the Blue Horseshoe podcast. We're coming to you three times a week in season. One of the areas we talked about where the Colts need to improve from last year to this year, one of the areas where Matt Ryan could help this team out from last year to this year, red zone offense. Last year, the Colts were 19th in terms of touchdown percentage when we got to the red zone. Week number one, we talked about Matt Ryan and his, his decision-making, his the trust that Frank Reich and the offense has in him and his ability to make plays. Now, a few drops out there for sure, but the Colts ended week number one, two of five in the red zone. Another reason why, George, we're sitting here talking about a tie when this should have easily been a win. Yeah, and in fairness, I'm not putting this one on Matt Ryan. I mean, they'd have been four or five. He he made the play twice uh, down there in the red zone. And the, and the one to Alec Pierce, that one's inexcusable. He he bought a lot of time in the pocket, moved around, put a ball, a very catchable ball into the end zone. Pierce is here because of his hands. I mean, that's the one thing we've talked about all offseason long. He is a great catcher. Uh, to to not come down with that one in that situation. And that was one of those things that changed the entire tenor of the game. Because if you get that touchdown and it's 10 to nothing, and that's the drive that that ultimately ends with the Wildcat play on fourth down and, and they get zero points. But if it's 10 to nothing at that point, I don't know that Houston's got the same urgency to them. You know, the, the rest of that first half and, and on into the third quarter. I think what you saw in the fourth quarter might have happened sooner. And, and I know it, you know, maybe that sounds like hyperbole to people. That's the way football works a lot of times. You're on the road and you're playing a team that's not supposed to beat you. If you come out early and get a two-score lead, you kind of reinforce that in their minds. The longer they're still in the game, the more confidence they get, the more you see something happen like what happened on Sunday. I'm not saying it's all Alec Pierce's fault. I'm saying anybody has to step up there. And there were two more plays after that. You've got to get a touchdown right. in that area. The other one is a great play by the safety. First of all, uh, you have to make that catch still. I don't, I don't care that it's a great play by the safety. It's the NFL. You're expected to make a catch like that for Ashton Doolin. Uh, but it was, you got to give some credit to the safety. He, he timed it perfectly, got his hand in there just as the ball's being tucked away to knock it out. You still have to hold on to it. You know, it's not an excuse, but it is, you do have to give some credit to Houston on that one. But at the end of the day, that's two touchdowns you left on the field in a game that ends in, a, in an overtime tie. And I don't, I don't put that on Matt Ryan. As far as the fourth and one call, which is, plays into all this red zone as well, I don't mind the play call in general. I think we talked about this on Sunday. I don't mind going for it there because you're at the two-yard line and your defense absolutely should not give up a 98-yard for a touchdown, which they ultimately did. But I, I, and I don't mind the wild card, the wildcat play in other situations. I think it's a, I think it's something that can work for this team. You got Naheem Hines and Jonathan Taylor in there. Hines is making a basic read. It's not as gimmicky a play as people are making it out to be. It's a really basic run. He's going to read a defensive end. He's either going to hand it off or he's going to keep it. It's about as as basic a power run play as you can call. What happened is the Texans defensive end faked like he was going to Taylor and then came back in and crashed down and blew the whole play up. The rest of that play was blocked appropriately. It would have worked if the defensive end didn't make a good play. on Jonathan Grenard didn't make a good play in the moment. But my problem with it is that's not the call you make on fourth down. First of all, I don't think you take Matt Ryan out on fourth and goal. That I didn't like. And then in that situation, look what happened all day. And I know that was early, so you didn't have that track record yet. Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman were making plays for this team all day long. It's fourth and goal. You have to have it. 
it should have been one of those two guys' hands. You're 100% right, George, and that's the, the frustrating part is, you know, I will at least say this. I do – I like to take some things back. I said on Matt Ryan from Sunday's pod because I think I was a little harsh on him and maybe put a little too much blame, or especially rewatching again. You see, right, I mean – Alec Pierce with no excuse, catch the ball. Ashton Doolin, balls in his hands. You know, you got to have strong enough grip there and fingers there to pull it. You're in the end zone. That touchdown, I know, like you said, it was a nice play by the safety. You got to have strong hands. You got to pull that in and secure the catch for sure and get your team, especially in that spot. You needed a touchdown there. You got to be able to make a play. And that goes back to a little bit of the frustration and a little bit of the concern so far coming out of week one when it comes to the red zone is, right, that we know the two guys the Colts could count on. It's the two guys we knew coming into the season, Michael Pittman Jr., Jonathan Taylor. Those two guys, you have no worries about, no jats out, both scored in the end zone. Um, but the you know, the other guys you rely on, Ashton doing you give him a chance, doesn't come through. Alec Pierce, you throw him a bone, doesn't come through. You know, uh, no one else really, in terms of tight ends or, or receivers, really got an opportunity in the red zone. And you see Michael Strawn that much uh in the red zone, which maybe you would have thought with him with his extended playing time week one, maybe that would have been an opportunity to get a big body on the field. We didn't see that. But you have to find ways to get in the end zone here because, again, the kicking woes now are obviously concerned. No matter who the kicker is going forward, you're not going to have anything that's a sure thing kicker-wise the rest of the year. That's for sure. And now, too, again, when you talk about the margin for error, the margin for victory here for the Colts, they don't have a big margin of error. They really don't, especially when we talk about you know, the schedule they play in a very loaded AFC. They don't have an eraser like Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen like you just – make a play, and when the things break down, boom, that's your guy almost by hero ball. You need to execute, and one of those ways we're talking about executing is in the red zone, and that was the, one of the most disappointing parts is that it was a it was a, t- a point of emphasis we talked about in the offseason leading into the season. That was an area the Colts have to improve upon. That was an area where we saw the, the team get let down last year at big, uh, big moments, not putting the ball in the end zone for six. And like you said, it's a momentum-changing play if you are a defense. And now in today's NFL, with rules geared towards offense, with so much scoring now being prolific across the NFL, if you are holding a team to a field goal, it's honestly a win for a lot of the defenses, let alone getting a, a fourth down stand like we talked about with the Wildcat and having a few breaks go the Texans' way with drop touchdown passes. They have to clean it up, George. they got to clean it up quick because if not, this season could spiral. Spiral yeah. quickly. If you're not putting the ball in the end zone here, this this team's in trouble. Absolutely. And I think that's the concern now is that, you know, you, you go and you don't win a, a very winnable game. And now, you know, the way things are set up, it can go the other way really quickly. Uh, again, the, the I guess the positive spin on that is that almost every year they've started slow in the red zone, and certainly with the new quarterbacks. I mean, Phillip Rivers, early on, it didn't look good. It got better as it went. Carson Wentz, it didn't really didn't ever get to where it should be all year, but it did get better as the season went on uh, in the red zone. It never got to where you want it to be. It, it mostly was Jonathan Taylor that picked that up uh, later in the year. But you've seen it. You've seen them kind of adjust as they go and, and get better in that area. Um, I think there's from from what I saw on Sunday, I think there's reason to believe this can be a much better. Again, they should have been four or five. I mean, it's two or five, and they should have been four or five. You make right. two catches that, that you have to make, and we're not having this conversation because they won the game by two scores, and you know it was a pretty good debut for Matt Ryan, and, and we're moving on to see if they can you know get past the Jacksonville woes. That's how important the red zone is. That's mm-hmm. how different it is. Two catches. We're not talking about 12 plays here. Yeah. Two catches, right. and the entire tone of, of this conversation and this season has changed. It's funny because I was listening to Robert Sala, the Jets head coach, talk on Monday, and he was basically saying how 90% of NFL games are lost. And I think that's you could perfectly say that about the Colts on Sunday. 
the Texans, it's weird. They didn't tie this game, right? I, I still hate how it's a tie. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but like they didn't tie this game for what they did like extremely well. The Colts, if you want to say, lost this game because of just small things that we're talking about, George. Even one out of two catches. Forget just two. We're talking about one catch. This game is different. Or even, you know, even if you want to get even, even more in the details, we could talk about one play from Jonathan Taylor late in the fourth quarter. He cuts it up field, you know, on the third down and two on the swing pass. He cuts it up and gets a first down instead of prioritizing running uh, out of bounds, save the clock, and coming up short of the first down. Who you know, Colts could be positioned to, to kick a field goal and end the game right there. Again, I know it's a big if because Rodrigo Blankenship missed the field goal later in overtime, but those are, like, we are talking about small, deta- like, simple yep. plays that should be correct to move a forward that really is the difference between a win, a loss, or in this instance, a tie. Spinning a forward, George. Now we look, you know, towards week two and look ahead to the rest of the season. How do we fix, right? How, how can the Colts offense get better? How can they convert more in the uh, in the red zone? One thing I think, especially rewatching the game, that was evident. Fourth quarter obviously was the best was the best fourth quarter for the Colts offense the entire game. One thing they did that they didn't do the other three quarters in overtime: tempo, yep. move, keep the pace going, hurry up, have a sense of urgency. I mean, I, I know the NFL, you know, most NFL teams don't really use a hurry up offense most of the game. It's not like, you know, in college where you have some colleges lining up running 100 plays a game, 120 plays a game to just go, 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 go. But week two, looking ahead, George, that must be, that might be a solution here where you got to get more tempo and have this offense, you know, running quicker and playing faster. Yeah. You know, it's one of the things that, that has surprised me about the Frank Reich era. He was in Buffalo during the K Gun era, you know, way back when. And they were really the first team that I remember to come out and, and kind of make tempo a big part of what they did at the NFL level. Uh, and, and I think I thought coming in at the time, Andrew Luck was the quarterback, that that would be a really good fit and that you'd see a lot of that. And I don't, up until then, you know, since then, I guess I should say, I didn't really know what to make of it because once Luck left, it didn't, it really wasn't a strength of Jacoby Brissett at the point in time that Philip Rivers got here. It wasn't something you want to do a lot with him at that point in his career. Um, they did it some with Carson last year and it, some of their best success, honestly, last year came running tempo. It's one of the things that Michael Pittman was talking about before the season and that he thought they would do a little more tempo this year in large part, because you go through Matt Ryan's 14 year career and he's been terrific with it. You know, the fourth quarter Sunday is not the first time anybody looked at that and said, Hey, this is a good fit for this quarterback. <laughs> uh, you know, he's, and if you look back, they're not going to run the K-Gun offense, obviously. It wouldn't work. It was a 1993 offense. But if you look back at it, the things that they were doing, a lot of that can work modernized with Matt Ryan. So I think it'll be interesting to see. I, I asked Marcus Brady about that today, uh, and he kind of said, you know, they're going to vary it. But I don't. people kind of jumped on that on Twitter right away. And I don't think that that means what you think of me. He's not going to come out and say, yeah, we're going to increase the tempo. He can't say that. You're not going right. to tell Jacksonville, hey, prepare for the two-minute drill 80% of the time on, on Sunday. Uh, so I, it'll be interesting to see what happens. A lot of times with that, if the coaches don't shoot it down and he didn't shoot it down, it's in play. And I think anybody uh, with a rudimentary knowledge of football can watch that game on Sunday and say they should do this more. And especially too, George, when we talk about and we really just harp on the fact of the inexperience at the skill position players, tight end running back or tight end receiver, right? Well, one of the ways that you can help, you know, make their lives easier is just by going fast, not having them think, 
you know, especially the, the, the fourth quarter, you saw Ashton Doolin make a few plays. Paris Kemp make a few plays. Michael Strawn had a, had a catcher or two as well. Like, now, when you don't have the ability to think, when it's just go, 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 make a play, line up, you know, within 20, 25 seconds, recall another play, just run the route that's there. You allow just the players to play free and almost just kind of get back to their natural athletic selves instead of always thinking, always, you know, maybe harping on a bad play. You know, it can help Alec Pierce flush the drop touchdown if, let's say, that happened um, you know, in, in the field of play, just, hey, wipe it and let's go. Next play, next play. It helps even to the lesser experienced guys because the less you think, are you always you always hear what, what players say when they don't want to think of it, they just want to play and react. Read and react is one way you could do so in a high, you know, up-tempo offense that should help everyone else kind of get into a flow better and maybe get some more offense going. And, you know, it also, it got the Texans out of their gaps a little bit uh, because they right. weren't lining up, they weren't as disciplined, and they were getting fatigued because – that's what happens. It's one of the reasons you want to do this. Uh, and it opened up running lanes for, for Jonathan Taylor. I mean, that last drive, the, the, not the last drive, the last scoring drive, the one that tied the game, he had four straight runs, nine, nine, 13, 14 yards. And the Texans defense, frankly, looked gassed at that point. Uh, and it was a lot of that was that they'd been playing most of the fourth quarter with that up-tempo offense. And, you know, they, they were wearing out. And I think there's so many advantages to it. You know, you can lock teams in defensively. They can't substitute as much. They can't change up looks as much. You can kind of get them stuck in a package they'd rather not be in. So, like, if they're in nickel, then you can run against that and keep running against that, you know. Uh, or if they're up in the box, you can throw against it and keep throwing against it and get them worn out, slows down the pass rush. It it makes them – it can, if it's not a real veteran defense, cause some chaos as they're trying to figure out where to line up and what you're doing, and they don't have the time to do that with a huddle. You know what I mean? And then you take all of that and you add in Matt Ryan's ability to read and react to what's happening on the field at the line of scrimmage. It just – there's so many advantages for this team when, when they do that. And you saw it. It's not a theoretical. You saw it happen right. in the fourth quarter on Sunday. I'm glad you brought up the last scoring touchdown, George, because to the one of Michael Pittman to tie the game. Because you're right, on that drive specifically, I went back and looked. They ran seven plays, 80 yards. Four of the seven plays were run plays. Jonathan Taylor had 49 of the 80 yards on the ground. So when you think up-tempo offense, at least for me too, it's easy to fall into a trap of, oh, high uh, up-tempo offense means we're going to throw the ball a lot, you know, quick, 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 two-minute drill offense, and you just think, oh, that's going to mean passing the ball. You can run the ball just as good, and if not better, like the Colts did on Sunday, in an up-tempo offense where you don't really huddle, you get to the line quickly, you kind of have players just get set and play, it helps the run game, it helps the pass game. Like you mentioned, it gets a Texans defense out of whack. I think right now with the state of the Colts offense and with really not having any reliable number two option at receiver and you know no other really reliable threat behind Jonathan Taylor, this is the best option for the Colts right now in the short term. You're not going to run it every single drive, but, you know, if you can run it, I don't know, 60% of the time, if possible, I think it's going to really do the Colts wonders here for week two and at least the next few weeks until maybe you get some extra confidence for a guy like Alec Pierce or Paris Campbell or Ashton Doolin or Naeem Hines really kind of find his role within the offense. Until that's the case, I think they have no choice, George, but to kind of go more up-tempo and push the pace. Yeah, and like you said, they got a lot more guys involved that way. I mean, you look back through there. Paris Campbell, Mike Strom both had huge catches in the fourth quarter. Uh, and I think maybe Strom had another one in overtime. Uh, you know, there was there was a lot, or maybe it was Campbell. One of them had another one in overtime. Uh, and, and it just, you're getting more guys involved. You're getting more balance on offense. It, there's so much to it. 
I personally would start that way against Jacksonville. I would see what happens. I'd go tempo early, see if you can get out to a lead. And then you can always lean on Jonathan Taylor later and wear them down when you've got a lead, milk some clock, you know, do some of those things. But that to me is, is the best idea moving forward. You know, early in the game, push that tempo, try to get a lead, score as many points as you can. Cause how much different, honestly, if you flip the quarters, if the, if the fourth quarter was the first quarter Sunday, how much different is that game? Right. I, it, the game's probably over, George. I mean, you're up 17. You know, you scored 17 points in the first quarter. Even if Texans get three points, and at that point, I don't think they even got a first down in the first quarter, I believe. It's like, you're right. So we're talking about a, maybe a 35-7 Colts victory instead of a 20-20 Colts side. That is for sure. 